Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I know you guys have been enjoying the last few episodes. This week we've got another super special guest. You have probably seen him around. You've probably seen his book in all the best bookstores. We have Hassan Kuba today, who is a best-selling author. He's an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. And he's known for the book he published or co-authored called The Unfair Advantage. How you have what it takes to succeed. It's been in WH Smith. It's been awarded book of the month and is a number one bestseller. He also recently has launched a podcast called Success Decoded, which I'm a big fan of, where he kind of goes through entrepreneurs such as Elon Musk. I would highly recommend you guys check it out. I've talked, you know, talked far too much. I'm going to pass it over to Hassan. Introduce yourself, bro, and kind of tell us a bit about yourself, and we can take it from there. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm Hassan Kuba. Um, I started off as an entrepreneur, kind of pretty much straight out of uni. Uh, had a brief stint working in the city, um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of my inspiration was um, the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss, and it was this idea of being able to create a passive income stream, build up a business that can automate itself, and kind of work as a system with minimal input from me. And uh, it took two years of hard work. I kind of got there in the end. And uh, then I kind of got more into startup investment. I met Ash Ali, my co-author. And then the kind of idea behind our investment thesis became this book, The Unfair mm-hmm. Advantage. And then, yeah, all, one thing led to another. We got a publishing deal, which we never expected, really. We thought we were just going to self-publish it. And, uh, yeah, here we are today. Sounds good. So let's start from... So we can talk about the book first, because I think that's kind of a beauty in itself and I remember I was speaking to Ams and before this where I saw your video on YouTube first where you did a TED talk at SOAS and then obviously went on to Ali Abdo and since then you've become this celebrity you know the pioneer of everyone can make it everyone has what it takes to be successful it's just you need to go and find what you say is the unfair advantage so let's talk about the book the main principles of the book I know you've kind of talked about the miles free we can touch on that and then we can kind of talk about your journey and perhaps what your unfair advantage is. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. So how did you kind of go about publishing the book? So a lot of, I know from a medical point of view, like we've got loads of stories we want to share, but it's always like a blog. It's like on in a newsletter format. How do we get a book out there where you can pick it up on Amazon, where you can pick it up from the shelves of bookstores? How does that process work? Yeah, so this is something that I learned firsthand and took a while to get to understand this industry. Um, well, essentially, there are two parts, mm. pretty much. There is sort of a hybrid part as well, but um, let's stick mm-hmm. to the kind of t- the two main parts are to self publish your book. So, self publishing is when you kind of pay to get it published, um, mm-hmm. or sometimes as a percentage. So, the main there are companies like Lulu, I think, .com, and there's some others. But the big mm-hmm. one now is Amazon themselves, who you mm-hmm. can self-publish your book on. First, it used to only be a Kindle version that you could publish on Amazon yourself. And then it became, mm-hmm. they added a paperback um, possibility of releasing other paperback as well. So it's called print on demand. So what happens is mm-hmm. you kind of write a book, you submit it, you get it designed mm-hmm. and typeset and all this kind of stuff that you need to do, get a cover. And, um, and then you can kind of upload it to, let's say, Amazon. And it'll, mm-hmm. if somebody buys a paperback, it just they have these systems in place where they can print it on demand and send it to the person. So that's kind of the self-publishing oh, I model. I thought I was mm-hmm. going to go down that model. 
And in fact, I had already written um, a book with Ash. Um, we called it the lean version of the book. It was um, sort of a one hour read, thin book. And it was kind of the core concepts of the unfair advantage and um, the kind of all those ideas, but just kind of distilled down. We were following kind of startup principles there. Because the idea being for your product to have a minimum viable product, the MVP, and just to make it as simple yep. as possible, just to see if it resonates with an audience. And we'd finished that, mm. we'd edited it, we'd got a typeset, we'd got a cover, we'd done all of that. And I was just about to hit the, mm -hmm. the button to publish it and make it live on Amazon so people could buy it. I, mean, I was even promoting it and everything. And um, mm -hmm. on that day, I mean, it does sound like a bit like a Hollywood film in the sense of that same day, yeah. but literally it was that same day that a literary agent got in touch with us and she was like, please don't okay. self-publish it. Um, I think this has yeah. potential <laughs> to get a publishing deal. We were like, really? Like we didn't, we're not part of that world. We don't think of ourselves as authors. Um, yeah. uh, we thought, you know, you'd have to be a professional author and all that to get that kind of thing. And she was like, or at least like be a celebrity. Mm. One of the big ways to get yeah. a publishing deal is to have a huge followership already because the publishing company mm. isn't taking that much risk because mm. they know oh, his followers are going to buy it. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, we, we you're supposed to give a literary agent three months to get you a deal. Mm -hmm. We were like to her, we'll give you three weeks. <laughs> we signed the contract for three weeks. <laughs> and she got us yeah, three publishing it, yeah. deals. We were Basically, it's all about writing a book proposal. So, so I already covered self-publishing. Getting a traditional publishing deal, mm -hmm. the way it traditionally works is actually you don't write a book, you write a book proposal. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like pitching a startup, trying to get investment for a startup or from That's investors okay. or Dragon's mm -hmm. Den style. It's like the business case of, okay, what is your book about? That's your product. Who is the target audience? Mm -hmm. Who's going to read the book? Who's going to pick mm -hmm. it up? And like, how are you going to reach them? How are you going to market it to them? So it's kind of mm -hmm. like putting together a proposal like that so we put together a book proposal and uh, yeah we were lucky enough to get three publishing deals um and then we were able to choose which one we wanted we went with profile books in the end that's amazing and yeah, that's um, absolutely amazing yeah. so you, and they were like we were talking we met up with bloomsbury who are an amazing publishers they yeah. did jk rowling's harry potter books we oh, were wow. so excited mm -hmm. and we got a deal yeah. from them uh, that was yeah. the first deal we got actually we thought we we're definitely going to pick them because we didn't expect to get others um and also Wiley Books gave us an offer. And the interesting thing was in the meetings, they were like, oh, we we never meet authors and they have a book in their hands. We had the author copies already of yeah. the lean version oh, wow. of our book. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. You guys yeah, have really yeah. come this far. So I think really yeah. I tell people that we had a kind of a startup business approach to the way we did our book because we did a lean version we tested yeah. it out first we went ahead so right. it was like this idea of like don't ask for permission so the old school way of doing things yeah. is like if you want to get famous you want to yeah. get on tv you want to get on radio you you have to go speak to big gatekeepers big companies so whether it's like mm -hmm. channels exactly. like the bbc or itv whether it's media yeah. like big newspaper Definitely. companies and stuff but what's happened in the internet era is these barriers have come down you could anyone could just record themselves on youtube and become big comedians yeah, and become exactly. singers from there. Definitely. People can just put up a right. podcast like you've done, like I've done. People yeah. can just self-publish yeah. a book. That's also a thing of, that's very recent. But you used to be able to self-publish back in the day, but it was very expensive. Yeah. And they used to call that vanity publishing yeah. because it cost so much money to do. Uh -huh, um, <laughs> so similar way, we didn't wait yeah. to get permission to get a publishing deal before we wrote a book. We thought, we're going to do this. And then they came to us almost because it was like, so the traditional way is actually you write a book proposal, they give you an advance, mm -hmm. they give you an advance on your royalties, 
By the way, you don't make much money yeah. from getting a, a traditional publishing deal. That's one of the downsides of it. You don't okay. really make money from it. They take most of the money because okay. it's a lot of costs to do with the distribution to bookshops, to do with um, working yep. with the publishers, Printing. the risk they're yeah. taking on you because you know if you're not an established author, it's, it's, it's risky for them. So yeah, that's mm. how it works really. But they give you an advance on the royalties. So it's a bit like how um, labels used to work for music. Similar way as well. Fine. Yeah, so yeah, that's um, quite interesting. Yeah, so it's that approach where we just went ahead and did it rather than professional authors. What they do is they write a book proposal, they get paid, and then they write the book. Mm. They get paid to write the book in the first place. They know it's in the, I see. Yeah, right. makes sense. Yeah, so I, I really love that approach of you didn't you didn't take permission to do this. You just yeah. did it, and it came to you. Um, and I think that that re that brings us on to the whole the whole book, the whole concept. Um, why don't you tell our audience and tell us, in fact, all about the concept of the unfair advantage that in your book you write that every single one of us has? Yeah, so good question. So the unfair advantage, what is an unfair advantage? An unfair advantage isn't necessarily um, an unethical or illegal advantage. So I just wanted to get that off the bat straight away. <laughs> the word unfair can sound negative. And you know what? Let's be realistic. That does exist. Okay, unfortunately, that does exist. Does, yeah. And, mm. you know, it's not, we don't live in an airy fairy world where everything, everyone is good and all of that. But that's not the focus yeah. of the book. <laughs> We're not talking about those. No. We don't recommend those. The unfair not, legal, legal, yeah, legal advantage. <laughs> no, so what we mean by unfair advantage, one simple example I give mm -hmm. for it is, as a, is like a basketball player who's being tall in basketball, basically. Being tall is an unfair advantage. You don't have much control over how tall you are you don't have any control once you're fully grown and you have very very limited control when you're a kid so it's a bit like that it's unfair because it's not necessarily earned so one thing that gets talked about a lot that's really popular and one mm -hmm. of the reasons we wrote the book is this idea that anyone can be anything if you set your mind to it if you listen to motivational speakers mm -hmm. and self-help gurus they'll tell you you set your mind to it you can achieve anything and it's like cool mm -hmm. I, I like that kind of stuff and i was really into self-help stuff but there is a limit to that. Yep. And what it doesn't take into account is circumstances. Everybody has different circumstances and everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. So the idea mm. of it is that we all have different circumstances. Some people are born into wealthier families. Some people are born, mm. we're lucky to be born like, um, you know, healthy and, you know, mm. fully able-bodied and fully able-minded, let's say. You know, you can start off with any, all the blessings that we're kind of born with, we're so lucky with. Secondly, um, just the education that we had, the kind of the upbringing mm. and the parents gave us or whatever that was. Um, for a lot mm -hmm. of us listening to this podcast, we we're probably pretty lucky, right? Mm -hmm. Being a fluent mm -hmm. speaker of English, for example. Like, I came to London when I was three years old. I was born in Baghdad. If I'd come when I was older, oh, wow. I'd, have a th I'd have a thick accent right now and it, my English wouldn't be as good <laughs> it, and it would be much more difficult. Yeah. It's true, right? Like it's, it's, and yeah. people don't Absolutely talk about this stuff. So we wanted to have a more realistic take about success in life, business, careers, mm -hmm. and looking at all the different circumstances. So we kind of break down unfair advantages in different categories. And we talk about how everybody has a unique set of unfair advantages. And we also talk about how a disadvantage can possibly be turned into an advantage. Hmm. That sounds good. And the question that kind of naturally follows that is a lot of our listeners, they'll be listening to it and they'll probably be inspired 
what advice would you give to people in terms of how they can find what their and for advantages because it's very easy to mm. kind of go on instagram and social media and see you know people with thousands of followers thousands of subscribers people yeah. you know having an amazing startup and it's, it's very we live in that world as in there are pros to social media at the same time you're naturally competing against these individuals how does someone kind of take a step back and what can they do to find what their unfair advantage is what advice would you kind of give on to our listeners so unfair knowing your unfair advantages is all about self-awareness mm-hmm. it's all about knowing and it takes time by the way it's very difficult so yeah. number one one of the things that we discussed in part one of the book is the fact that talent does exist contrary to what mm-hmm. has become a trendy thing to say it's not about talent it's all about hard work and some going even as far to say as and there have been books written about this to say like talent doesn't even exist it's just about working hard it's just about getting 10,000 hours of practice and stuff and no the reality is talent does exist some people are born and we're all born with different skills which come more naturally to us than others right so that's number one is your own internal strengths and weaknesses that takes time when i was 20 years old it was i didn't was not aware of what all my strengths and weaknesses are as i am now 10 years later Mm. it's Mm -hmm. it it really does take a lot of experience and feedback and practice and trying different things and working with different people and trying kind of thinking about what you're strong and good at and sometimes people figure it out young but not all of us do i didn't i didn't know why oh, i'm good at maths i'm quite good academically mm-hmm. but what is it that i want to mm-hmm. do i didn't know what my career path was going to be etc secondly is to think to yourself to look at your circumstances and say where do I have strengths within my circumstances? Am I connected? Do I know a lot of people in a certain industry or in a certain space? Do I have a unique insight mm. based on my upbringing, based on my background, based on whatever it might be? Do I have some kind of unique insight to see a business opportunity or somewhere? I'll give a very quick mm-hmm. example. You as medics. Um, let me ask you, mm-hmm. I actually don't know. Are either of your parents doctors as well? Um, unfortunately not no no neither of you we're the but first doctor first, yeah, so, that's, that's yeah, awesome. the first doctor yeah that's awesome but a lot of yeah. uh, your fellow medical students a lot of them came from backgrounds where their parents were doctors as well is that right like 100% way oh, yeah, over yeah, yeah. majority even Maj- that majority yeah. like yeah. a good yeah. 70-80% of our cohort in medicine right was either you know their parents were doctors or some people even their grandparents were doctors so it's a generation yeah. of doctors so you guys are quite unique in that yeah. sense but yeah you see we're the minority <laughs> and that and that probably applies to most professions maybe it's a bit more so for doctors but generally speaking it's quite common and why is that common well because you get an unfair advantage if your parents are doctors number one they give you all the insights the pitfalls the different things that they could help you with just in terms of the content in terms of the career paths in terms of what to do what experiences to get how to apply for it all that kind of stuff they can help you with right so yeah yeah looking at that doesn't mean by the way that because your parents do something you should do that i'm just saying your circumstances play a role so do you have connections in this so the way we break down um the different types of unfair advantages is a framework we call the miles framework so miles is an acronym Mm -hmm. and it stands for money Mm -hmm. m stands for money which is having access to money, to funding, can help with starting a startup, or it can help you to go down a career path where you don't necessarily need to make money immediately. For example, and this is getting phased out and I think is becoming illegal, but historically, and it still exists, unpaid internships is an easy way that people can get 
get their foot in the door into an industry. But if you're from a poorer yeah. background and you've got bills to pay, right? You don't have mommy and daddy paying for everything for you. You can't do an unpaid internship either. Yeah. You'd have to do double shifts or something like that. So money can Absolutely. be an unfair advantage. Intelligence and insight. So intelligence, we break it down into loads of different types of intelligence. You've got your book smarts and IQ. You've got your street smarts and kind of EQ, your emotional intelligence. You've also got your own creativity. These all play a role. Yeah. And mm -hmm. insight is what kind of opportunities or kind of insights you see yourself in. Where can you mm -hmm. have... Um, where can you spot an opportunity basically where can you find so one of the things about having parents who are doctors is it gives you an insight into medicine as well as well as it helps yeah, you with absolutely. the expertise side Definitely. as well which we'll move on to um yeah. l in miles stands for location and luck where are you based mm -hmm. what kind of luck or timing do you have so uh, this a lot mm -hmm. of the frameworks by the way apply to startup businesses so it's it's yeah. about thinking about um right place and right time a lot of success comes down yeah. to right place and right time. And that's our way of talking yeah. about location and luck. Um, education and expertise, that's what E stands for. And that's the kind of mm -hmm. education you've had. That's the kind of skills training that you've brought or maybe you've self-taught. So, yeah, education expertise is huge. And finally, you've got status. Yeah. Status is a big one because mm -hmm. it's all about like sort of judging a book by its cover. It's how do people view yes. you? How do people judge you when they first see you? Unfortunately, it, we're not all judged on, on the inside. It's, that's why that phrase, judging a book by its cover, comes from. Is that, comes you, from, yeah, yeah you, we all jump to snap conclusions um, based on our impressions of somebody. And those impressions and conclusions can be different for some people than others. And some of them are advantages versus disadvantages. So this includes things like race, like gender, like um, the kind of class, the accent that you have, the class that you come from, all this kind of stuff yeah, comes yeah. into status. But what also comes into status mm -hmm. is your confidence, your inner confidence, your inner status. Mm. It comes from your self-esteem and your confidence, how you carry yourself, how you talk. All this plays a big role in status. Um, another factor mm -hmm. within status is your network, your connections. So you've seen people who mm -hmm. name drop like celebrity names and stuff into conversations mm -hmm. is because they were trying to raise their status. Yeah. Um, so who you know is also status. <laughs> so if you're, um, if you know like the uh, a senior director at a company, it's probably easier to get an internship yeah. there or, or a job there or something like sure. that. So it's, uh, yeah. it's who you know matters. Yeah. There's that phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So all of these kinds of mm -hmm. are factors, that kind of covers the Mars framework. And these are all factors of unfair advantages that you can kind of look at your own life and kind of figure out, okay, where am I strong? Where am I weak? And I would say double down on your strengths. Mm. Focus on that. True. Mm. So a lot of our audiences, sometimes they see that our guests, they're entrepreneurs, they all have their own startups and things. Um, and a common feature is um, that a lot of us actually started off with minimal, I'd say financial injection, mm. minimal money. Um, but a lot of our audience will also ask this question and it's that how do I start off the thing that I'm passionate about with no money? I've got very little disposable cash to be able to invest in my dream. Um, yeah. How is that? How can I make that the unfair advantage? Mm. So, yes. Yeah, so one thing about so I've spoken about the unfair, you know, the, the miles factors kind of in a traditional sense of yeah. what is typically an advantage mm -hmm. and what is typically a disadvantage but you can also look at it mm -hmm. everything is a double-edged sword 
having a lot of money yeah. is obviously helpful in the sense that you've got a safety net of cash if you fail let's say at a startup venture or something you're fine it's not going to affect you too much you can hire developers and a team early on you can yeah. there's lots of stuff you can do with money but having little money what's the advantage of that there are actually advantages the advantage is that it will make you more creative more resourceful sure. in that you'll think of how do Absolutely. i grow my business with with basically no budget how can i work to get the word out there and this is something that i mm-hmm. try to always remind myself whenever even this new thing that i've known success decoded I made it a goal for myself yeah. not to look, not to get paid ads for it. Let me just grow it organically and see. And it and it kind yeah. of works my creativity muscles there. You know, like it gives me back to yeah. when I first started my business back in 2013, 2014. It, it puts yeah. me back in that mindset of when I, you know, was a yeah. recent graduate, didn't have much money to my name. And it was like, how do I get started? Yeah. And it makes you more creative. Like one recent growth hack, which, I, which has worked quite well, is if... So right now I'm profiling Elon Musk. So if Elon tweets something, what I've done is I've set my notifications on. This is just a simple little growth hack and just an example of something you could do and think about and why it can be an advantage to have less money is that when he tweets, I get a notification on my phone. So if I notice that in time, I can immediately reply to it and put a link to um, the Success Decoded series and about, oh, if anybody's interested about Elon Musk's background, check this out mm. kind of thing. Just say something a bit relevant. And some of those tweets have yeah. gotten like 20,000 um, views and like wow. dozens of retweets and likes. And I don't have, I don't actually have a big Twitter follower base at the moment. So it's like, okay, mm. there's a growth hack. That's completely free. doesn't even take that's, that much effort from me. Cool one, yeah. So it's just about thinking, how do I grow something with a minimal budget? Because having a lot of money, I've had a lot of startup founders pitch me for investment. And it's like, yeah, if they're from a rich background, they have a lot of money to spend. It's like, how are you going to grow this? Mm. Oh, yeah, Facebook ads and Google ads. Okay, fine. Well, that can be useful. But yeah. in the early days of your startup, uh, throwing mm. money at uh, ad budget can be a bit risky because you don't know if mm. what you're selling is what people actually want yet. You haven't tested it much yet. And also, you, exactly, it's, yeah. you're, it's, very, like, it's an easy way to run out of cash and to spend money quickly True. because everybody does that. It doesn't take any creativity mm. to think, okay, I'll just pay for some Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads. It's, yeah. There's no creativity there. So gr- entrepreneurship is often about thinking outside the box and thinking creatively of how to grow something. Um, Ash Ali, my co-author, mm. had this a lot. Yeah. Uh, another thing that having little money gives you, by the way, is a more of a fire in your belly. If you grew up sure. wealthy, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time you can be complacent and too comfortable and it's like, why should I bother? And you have more to lose as well. Yeah. You know, when you come from nothing and you're scrappy and you're just giving it a shot, you know, I've got nothing to yeah. lose. Let me yeah. go for it. <laughs> but if you, Let's go for if it. you have a big lifestyle, you have you have car payments every month, you have a big mortgage, it's like, okay, now you've got more to lose. Now it's more risky. Now it's like, so, but this applies to all of them. And in the book, we go through each of the kind of unfair advantages. And then we talk about what the double-edged swords are and how you can have a yeah. turn a disadvantage into an advantage for that particular thing. Mm, absolutely um so your miles framework i remember hearing you say in your i think your ted talk Mm. that it was all based upon the mindset and i think it's so crucial because 
when you go through the miles um, acronym you can easily say I don't have money I don't have the status I don't have the qualification but when you when you really em- it really hit me when you emphasize this is all based on your mindset and do you understand that you can actually flip it all upside down and even if you have none of those it all becomes an unfair advantage if you just know how to leverage it right mm. um, and I do remember um, in fact before starting this podcast and everything me and Abdul would sit this was before our medical exams and we were like okay wait our unfair advantage could potentially be that we would qualify and become doctors and that would give us a status and without it who would think we there's no value in us um yeah. but yeah definitely the i think the miles framework is actually for me I've, I've i've started making notes all around it um it's perfect it's perfect i really have to thank you for bringing that sort of into the world to be honest it's oh, thank absolutely you very much. brilliant I'm glad you got value out of it. And like you said, mindset is so important and something I haven't touched on yet, which is like, I kind of, we kind of drew them as pillars, all the different miles framework aspects, but it's on a foundation of mindset because none of this is worth Mm. anything if you don't have the right mindset. And I think Mm. (laughs) to try to remember from the top of my head, I think it was four mindset factors we outlined. Um, And it was Mm. all about, so I think number one was a vision. It's all about having a vision for a company or your career or whatever project it is. It's like, Mm. what do you want out of it? It's important to have a vision and that's kind of what's going to drive you. And it's difficult to kind of do something completely without a vision. Um, The second, I think, is really important to have kind of that resilience and grit and determination because you're going to have setbacks. Whatever journey you're on, whatever project you want to start, particularly a startup, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have, have that thick skin. Go have that ability to just bounce back and just go, okay, how can I solve this? How can I, you know, get past this problem or this failure or whatever it might be? Um, third, I think we talk about resourcefulness. Resourcefulness is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And it's all about kind of trusting and having faith in yourself that you'll be able to solve the problems. I think entrepreneurship, one of the definitions which I really liked, quotes which I really liked is from the founder of LinkedIn, Reed Hoffman, mm-hmm. um, he was one of the senior guys at PayPal as well. PayPal is actually a chapter which I'm releasing yeah. very soon for Success Decoded um, because that's yeah. one of the startups today, yeah, that Elon Musk yeah, founded. Um, yeah, so Reed Hoffman, that the, the, pay, the PayPal Mafia. Exactly. <laughs> have a good one for yeah, that's what I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah. So um, the PayPal Mafia is, <laughs> for those of you who haven't heard of that phrase, it's the guys who founded PayPal. Mm-hmm. PayPal was a huge success, but they then went on to do all these other companies. So Elon Musk went on to do Tesla and SpaceX. And um, for example, Peter Thiel did Palantir and he was the first investor in Facebook. And Reid Hoffman did LinkedIn. Um, Two of the guys did YouTube, Steve Chen, I think his name is Steve Chen. And I forgot the name of the other guy. Um, And Jawad, I think. Yeah, yeah, Jawad's one of them, but he wasn't at PayPal. And there was another guy who was there, mm. I think, uh, Chad Hurley. That's it. Steve Chen and Chad Hurley. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah. So these guys did some amazing stuff. But PayPal was a big place where they learned how to do what they do. Yeah. How they learned all the entrepreneurship stuff. So and... it goes to the, the second question. It's like, so I'm going to make it a bit controversial. Mm. So two questions is, do you think some unfair advantages are time, place, location, appropriate meaning there may be individuals that have an unfair advantage that perhaps would have been amazing 10 years ago or maybe now isn't the right time to leverage that and it's something that will come into existence in the next five to ten years or is that something as a fallacy so let's say people that seem to be really successful now are people that are really good at video editing people that have this 
really cool Instagram, public speaking persona, really good at marketing. They seem mm. to be the, the people that are doing well. Whereas let's say in the nineties, early two thousands, it was, you know, like the dot com era, people that are really good at tech. Is an unfair advantage relevant to time? Would you say that or yeah. is that me? Oh yeah. Mm. Definitely. There are some things which are pretty timeless, but then the opportunities for certain things come up at times mm. and kind of go down at times. So let's Definitely. say you're there's a lot of comedians and musicians and stuff who if it wasn't for YouTube They'd be nobody, yeah. right? They they wouldn't like didn't. Yeah. I think even Justin yeah. Bieber was discovered on YouTube, singing on YouTube. I think there's a lot. Yeah, of, he was. He I, was. I think Usher discovered him. Yeah, Usher, yeah. Usher I think did, yeah. Um, a lot of comedians. If it wasn't for YouTube, no one would have discovered them. No yeah. one would have found them. Um, True, definitely. So those skills. So let's say uh, there's a lot of let's say let's take YouTube because YouTube is really interesting. A lot of people have become like big big YouTubers. Before YouTube existed, before yeah. the technology for video streaming existed, it was like, what yeah. use did that that charisma on camera, let's say, or the entertaining, how entertaining mm. they were on, are on camera, mm. or the skills they have with, with video editing? Very limited. You'd have had to go gone through a gatekeeper, like we touched on the beginning of this conversation, right? You'd have True. to like try and yeah, become yeah. get on TV. <laughs> so it's which yeah, is much absolutely. much more yeah. difficult. Yeah. So it's um, somebody would have to believe in you, and yeah. So it's I think yeah, absolutely. But there at the same time, um, hmm. the look, human psychology is human psychology. We like what we like. Yeah. Whether it's somebody who's yeah. going to be funny, whether it's somebody who's going to be um, good at accounting, whether but then hmm. again, AI is coming, so stuff like accounting might slowly start to become software yeah. that does it all. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> I think really uh, it is definitely time specific, and that's why location and luck is part of the thing. Timing yeah. is a big factor, and we talk about timing in the book a lot because I'll mm. give you an example: VR, virtual reality, was thought to be this next big thing, and um, we're mm. all going to have VR headsets, and we're all going to live in an augmented and virtual reality worlds. And it's like <laughs> 2014, Facebook bought Oculus for over a billion dollars or something. And yeah, everyone was yeah, excited, yeah. and I used to get so many, like back in 2016 and earlier, so many VR startups ideas would come and pitch. And everybody thought mm -hmm. that was the time for VR. And no, it isn't. Yeah. Still hasn't had that still much. Still, it still hasn't boomed. Yeah. 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 People get motion Definitely. sickness using it. It hasn't really. Yeah. It's got a little bit of traction, but it's not become super mainstream. Yeah. No way. So Definitely. it's still not it's still too early. So you could be too early for a trend. You could be too late for a trend. It's really important yeah. to stay yeah. abreast of where the trends are. Keep your eye on what's succeeding, what's failing, what's growing, what's decreasing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's mm. important. Definitely. Absolutely. Whole, whole, whole um, another thing I wanted to ask is your author, you do loads of kind of pre-COVID public appearances. You've been on lots of like social media channels you know, you're an investor, what does like a typical day or a typical week look like for you? Because a lot of people, they have like, you know, a standard job where they work in 95, 96, or there might be a single profession like medics. Mm. It seems you doing different things. How does your average week look like? Let, let's take it back though. I think mm. for this question, why don't you take us back to, so you said you came to this country, did you say when you were three years old? Yeah. 
Yeah. T- so tell us, take us through your. I guess you as a character now. Let's let's talk about you. Let's take us take us through your journey from from coming into this country and how you've gotten to where you are today and what your day to day is like. Take us through your journey. Sure. Um, so I was always good at. Um, so yeah, I kind of grew up here. I don't have too many memories mm-hmm. of pre before I was three years old. So I'm pretty much a Londoner, mm-hmm. you could say. Um, with obviously my heart still being with Iraq, but yeah, ultimately this is my mm-hmm. home now. Um, mm-hmm. I would say for me, I just I why I really struggled with at school is knowing what I wanted to do later. I actually started. Mm-hmm. I, I have this anecdote in the book where my parents got me a doctor cake actually when I was one years old. That's <laughs> um, okay. like, okay, all kid, our parents do. <laughs> yeah, my kid's going to be a doctor. Our kid's going to be a doctor. And I think it was my granddad who got it. And you know what they. <laughs> to be fair to them they're not like they're not too controlling or like they were relatively they were sh- so i actually was going to go down the path of becoming a doctor and i started down that path and dropped out six months into it um to my parents horror oh, wow. yeah. but uh but really it's they were ultimately okay but they just wanted to know what i was going to do and that was my problem i didn't know what i wanted to do i was good at science at school um i loved that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so i thought it was like the typical Kind of thing especially for asian background you become a doctor yeah, yeah. 100 um, but, yeah. but i didn't ultimately i really didn't know what i wanted to become and for me i thought oh i don't want that life necessarily of just hospitals and patients and that's how i was picturing it and i thought no i want something broader mm. and i thought let me do economics and maybe yeah. i could help rebuild Iraq. So I did it at SOAS where they have a lot of focus on developing countries, developing world. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn about the economics of China and the Middle East and all these kind of other modules. Yeah. And that was cool. So I got into SOAS. Um, yeah. And then Iraq didn't seem to be getting much better. In fact, I think it was getting worse at yeah. the time. And um, I thought the typical path is to go into the city to become an investment banker. If you're ambitious, you do economics, yeah, you go work in the city, um, but yeah. you know what? The the, guy, the guys would come from that investment banking world, uh, men and women actually, yeah. and they used to kind of boast about their seventy-two hour shifts. You know, at the office, yeah. and you know, mm. for doctors, yeah. you're saving lives, you're doing something really incredible um, and valuable. Mm. I don't know about investment bankers. Are they doing? <laughs> doing something really valuable? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit, it's going to yeah. hurt a few people. <laughs> yeah, you know what, that's how I felt. And I just felt mm. like I don't, and also just from a selfish point of view, I kind of thought, okay, I'll make a lot of money, but then I'll be time, I'll be money rich, but time poor. What's the point? I wanted yeah. the freedom. Mm, so definitely. what I really resonated with was freedom. So mm. I finished uni, I got my 2-1. I was like, okay, that was good. But then it's like, I, I didn't know. So I, I'd actually saved up my student loan money. So I had a little bit mm-hmm. of, um, kind of a safety net of cash so i had i had a couple of yeah. grand i think saved up from my student maintenance loan and grants and all this kind of stuff that i had and um i invested in an online course i came across an online course about setting up an online business um starting mm-hmm. your own company i'd never thought of becoming an entrepreneur before in the book i talk about how i was not a natural entrepreneur i didn't grow up kind of hustling and selling stuff and doing that kind of thing which <laughs> which Ash kind of did, my co-author, and people like Gary Vee yeah. and all these other entrepreneurs like Richard Branson, they've always been doing entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. That, w- that wasn't me. 
So I thought, can this be learned? And uh, I did my due diligence. There's a lot of like dodgy online courses and scammy stuff like that. But no, this one was good. Yeah. And um, it does, obviously they make it seem like it's going to be really easy to do. It was two years of really hard work, struggle, almost losing clients, having issues with staff, all that kind of stuff. But eventually I got there in the end and I was at a point where my business was sort of running itself. I was able to travel around Southeast Asia and kind of live that life of freedom, fun, adventure that I'd kind of wanted. Um, but then it was like, okay, now what next? And also that passive income lifestyle, it doesn't last forever. It's not like a perpetual flywheel. It's you have to yeah. keep working on it and then you have to keep evolving it. Yeah. And I thought, do I want to evolve it? Do I want to grow? It was a marketing agency, right? So do I want to grow a marketing agency? And I thought I never wanted to have a big marketing agency. So I was kind of thinking okay. about what's next for me. And that's when I met Ash Ali at a business dinner, just through some serendipity yeah. and luck, location and luck. We were at the same dinner yeah. in central location London. Location and luck yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and turns out he lived in northwest London as well, which is where I live. So mm. he he had just had the IPO. So he was the first marketing director of Just Eat. So Ash is pretty awesome. He's yeah. a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done loads of startups and he's been in tech and startups for a while and He's amazing at yeah. growth and marketing. And um, and he was an angel investor at the time. And I had free time. He was like, come down to the office, Edgware Road, uh, in Edgware, sorry. And uh, so that's how we became friends. We started traveling together, went to Southeast Asia, check out the market there of startups and went to Kuala Lumpur and went to Jakarta in Indonesia. Mm. Yeah, and oh, wow, yeah. We also, like I started sitting in with him on investment pitches and then I became his investment partner because he liked my insights and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we had this startup yeah. idea to work on, which was, okay, how do we filter through all these pitch decks that are coming through that Ash is receiving? How do we, is there a way yeah. to use AI to kind of mm. filter out the really bad ones and just so that we could spend our time, because we can't look through them all, spend our time on the better ones Absolutely. so we can have better investments. Yeah, true. And we started realizing we, have a, we had a really good um, CTO for that startup, the technical yeah. guy. And um, yeah. no, but then it turned out that this isn't an issue that you can solve because easily because it's based on the team. So that introspection helped us to mm. realize it's about the people. And it became, mm. oh, they have an unfair advantage. And we started seeing this pattern that most of the people that were pitching were come, came from a wealthier background, were usually male, young, white. Yeah. It usually fit yeah. those kind of, that persona, we're like, okay, why is that? Why are we getting that kind of... And it's because they have all these unfair advantages of a, of a safety net, financial safety net, and a cushion, you know, a cushion yeah. that they could fail and yeah. it won't be a big issue. They have the connections with all the people that they can possibly sell to, they can possibly become clients. Um, they're even mm-hmm. aware that these opportunities exist, right? So like, I didn't know you could start a startup and what tech startups were and all that kind of stuff when I was a uni student. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys were aware of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it was that kind of... Awareness itself is a huge unfair advantage, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Self-awareness is just massive. Um, Yeah, so it was from there that we kind of realized... No, And then this idea, this kind of... We call it an investment thesis. This idea of like, who do we invest in? Well, we invest in those that have an unfair advantage. That doesn't just necessarily mean Mm. privileged, young, white, male. But it just meant like they had to have something going for them. And why are those ones the types that gain most of the investment and we those are the questions we started thinking about and that's when the idea for the book came yeah. uh, we started mentoring startup mm. founders to get more insight into mm. who might read our book how we can add value to people so it was like testing uh, it's called customer development mm. in 
kind of tech startup world. You, you develop the idea and you get to know your audience. So we gave talks at unis, we gave talks at different companies and corporates and gave, did some mentoring for startup founders. And it was through those insights that the book came out to be as good as it is. And we've gotten such good yeah. feedback and we've got all those things for the book now. I think it's because we put in all the work up front. We spent about four years working on this book, you know, and getting that market feedback, not just, not just like locking ourselves away in a room and just writing. No, it's not about that. It's about, about the target. It's like in business, you have to think about the customer, right? So for Mm. us, it was about the reader. We have to know about the reader more so we can answer their questions in the book and take them through that journey from not knowing the stuff we're teaching to knowing about it and understanding it and internalizing it mm. um so mm. yeah that was the the process really and then that's what led on to writing the lean version of the book and then the rest is what i described earlier we what, got a literary agent and yeah yeah what was it in picture so you 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 did you sort of went through the unfair advantage when you were coming across these applications i presume to sort of practice when it came to you investing in companies but what was it that sparked sparked it that you thought hold on a minute let me write a book on what I've just discovered. What was that moment? How oh, did that moment come about? Yeah, good about? question. Actually, that wasn't my moment. Um, it's funny, the first version of my startup, um, my own one, mm-hmm. back when I left uni mm-hmm. and stuff, was actually to help. It's weird how things happen. It's, it's, there's a weird thing about, like when you set an intention or a vision, about how things sort of yeah. align later down the road sometimes, or you never know how things will turn out. It, my, the first version of my startup was about helping experts. Um, to reach an audience and help them with their content marketing but actually that didn't work out for me because I didn't know good enough experts the ones I was meeting who wanted to work with me I wasn't too sure about the stuff they were talking about so I was like okay no I'll just it didn't work as a business as a target customer so I shifted it to any kind of local businesses and actually the biggest ones for me became dentists that I worked with Um, but then so I ended up so the idea for the book actually came from Ash he thought he's had mm-hmm. this amazing journey. Um, Justy IPO'd for 1.5 billion. He was the first uh, senior, no, third senior member of staff in that company in the UK. Um, he was yeah. very early on. He grew the marketing department from scratch. So he had this whole journey that he wanted to discuss in a book. And he was talking to me yeah. about it all the time. And it was like, slowly I started to help him with editing it and giving him feedback on it. And then eventually I became, became a co-author on it because... I had added so much yeah. to it. I developed the framework with him and we kind of developed mm-hmm. the unfair advantage framework together, but he had the seed of the idea in his mind already. So actually the, oh, wow. the, the idea to write a book was from Ash. It wasn't mine, but mm-hmm. it's funny how it, it turned out. Cause that was event. It, well, I thought one day I'll write a book one day when I'm 40, yeah. 50 years old. Yeah. I didn't think I'll be in my twenties and I'll, I'll have my first book. So. <laughs> a bestseller. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's amazing. Man. Well, I started yeah. by the time it came out. I, I've turned thirty, but <laughs> but <No. laughs> that deadline. But but yeah, so it, it was still like way earlier than I expected. Um, and Definitely. it's it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been a proper roller coaster. It's like Steve Jobs says, you can only connect the dots looking back. Uh, yeah, just go go where yeah. you're. In the book, we talk about start with why. You know, the whole Simon Sinek thing. Yeah. What is your motivation? Yeah. yeah. Right? Start with that. Mm. Secondly, what's your personality type? You know, get to know your personality a bit. Mm. There are some good online personality tests. Do the proper ones, not the jokey <laughs> quizzes, which tell you what <laughs> Disney princess yeah. you are or something. But do the proper ones. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah. You get an insight. Ask people. Don't trust those online person. Even the good ones. Don't trust them too much. Go with your gut. Ask people mm-hmm. around you that you've worked yeah, with yeah. that know you well. Gives you an insight. And then think about what comes easily to you. What do people come to you for? That's probably what your talents and strengths are. That's the thing about mm-hmm. talents. You don't realize you've got them sometimes. You just think, oh, anyone can do that. But actually, you know, you're mm. wired to do it somehow. Your brain is kind of better at figuring mm. that out. For me, it was like putting communication became one of my realized is one of my talents mm. is putting something complex, yeah. simple. And that's why Ash really liked working with yeah. me is because he was like, this is um, the way he was explaining it was a bit unclear in his own mind. And it was complex, even though he had so much wisdom and 20 years of experience. But I came in and helped yeah. him to, number one, remember what it's like to be a beginner. Because it's so easy to forget, yeah. especially Ash is 20 years True. down the line from his first startup when he was 19. Whereas I was only five yeah. year, four or five years down the line. So I remembered what it was like to be a beginner yeah. more easily. It's easy to forget. And number mm-hmm. two is just to, how do you put it into a framework and into a logical kind of mm-hmm. model? I realized I've got that as a kind of a talent. So I need to double down on mm-hmm. that. But I only figured that out in my late 20s. So yeah, figure yeah, out your talent, then you look at your circumstances and your unfair advantages. So that's how kind of yeah. it was a good way to figure out like career-wise, business-wise, what projects to work on, etc. Definitely. And coming to present day now, so how does a, a, a week in the life of Hassan look like now? So now in lockdown, meetings. I'm at home yep. oh, a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> everyone is. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm working yeah. from home. Um, it's not been too bad yeah. for me because I started my first business working from home. The difference being is I used to be able to go to cafes a lot, libraries, cafes. Not possible yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. True. Just getting into the routine of it. I remember March was crazy month, March of this year. But yeah. um, by sad. now, it's we're all in the rhythm of it now. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. it's For me, I like I don't like having a lot of meetings scheduled and having a lot of things i like to batch them all together um for productivity mm-hmm. it's really important to get into mm-hmm. flow state and to allow myself to get into flow state i need big blocks of uninterrupted time lately i've been switching off my phone Definitely. literally because i don't trust myself with it it's just mm-hmm. too addictive yeah. and put it in another room put it in a yeah. drawer and set some mm-hmm. timer a timer for myself i've been doing four or five minute um blocks of time with uh, uh no actually 15 mm-hmm. minute blocks 10 minute breaks and just focused mm. on creating content right now. So my focus right now is this new series, Success Decoded. It's a completely free, even though it's it's basically yeah. like I'm writing a new book, but it's like um, mm. the case studies. So the, the Unfair Advantage book is full of case studies and examples of people with different mm. unfair advantages and disadvantages. Um, and I thought that, that was really popular. And I thought maybe I should do more of that because that's what people yeah. are asking for. People want that. Yeah, so I started working on this new thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm focused on right now is writing it, and I'm writing it like a book. So it's like the podcast version mm. is like an audio book, um, and I've yeah. made it just like a relaxing listen. And um, yeah. there's the email version, so it's an email and podcast series. And uh, yeah, you can subscribe mm. by going to successdecoded.substack.com, and yeah, you can check it mm. all out. And it's something completely uncommercial right now. It's completely free there's no yeah. ads on the podcast there's no there's no mm. like for me i'm just doing this right now just to connect with more people who want to learn more from the outlier success stories like elon Musk. Yes, next definitely. i'm going to be doing melanie perkins who's the founder of canva um there's a big case study of her okay. in her book and she had to go she had so many disadvantages 
Um, she's based yeah. in Australia, which isn't a tech startup mm-hmm. hub. And they all wanted her, to, mm-hmm. the investors all wanted her to move to Silicon Valley and stuff that she didn't want to. As a female founder, mm-hmm. it was difficult to get the funding to get mm-hmm. um, a developer, a CTO, like a technical co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be covering her next. So right now, my main focus is that series, actually. Um, I still yeah. have a few uh, business dealings here and there, some clients from mm. my previous business. But yeah, this is what I'm working on building. So right now, I'm working on building Success yeah. Decoded. Um, I'm, doing, I'm being very active on LinkedIn right now. So I'm mm. doing daily posts on LinkedIn. Um, I've kind of, at first, when people would say writer or author, it felt weird because I'd never... Mm-hmm. used to write much i never thought of myself as a writer but i've kind of started to embrace it more i thought okay people like what i'm writing i'm enjoying the process let me do more yeah. of it even though that wasn't my background english was my weakest subject <laughs> at school but yeah you never <laughs> know how it turns out yeah, yeah. now de- definitely keep at it and i wish you all the success because the the unfair advantage is a book i think all of our listeners have to find a way of getting their head round, they need to read that, they need to buy the book. Um, it's just such a great concept that you've broken down and you've really simplified it. No, so I wish you all the success in that. Thank you so um, much. Yeah, there's an, an audio book version as well. Episode. Yeah, okay. there's oh, that's good. of the, of the yeah. book. And I mentioned that because I'm the type, because I love podcasts. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah, yeah. I listen to audiobooks, and yeah. I love to be able to do, because th- it allows you to multitask and do things on the go when you're driving, commuting, yeah. Not much commuting mm. right now, but when we were commuting, or just doing like yeah. household chores, or just when I walk to the car or whatever, I like to put it on. So yeah, the we made sure that there was an audiobook version. We have like a re. We were so lucky. This is the thing about getting a traditional publishing deal, which is what we had. You get yeah. amazing yeah. like production values. We have um, mm. a BAFTA award-winning actor, voice actor, who's yeah. doing the, our wow. audiobook. So he sounds oh, wow. amazing and me and ash are on as well doing our own stories narrating our own stories so that was mm. really fun to do as well and mm. obviously kindle versions out as well so yeah loads yeah, of different great. Me, and, me and abdul always said we wanted to write a book one day i think we might be coming to your doorstep soon yeah <laughs> no but it's good i think yeah and it's glad it's accessible so we'll definitely share the link with the the listeners we'll also put your your instagram linkedin handles i'm sure there'll be a lot of budding authors or people interested in the concept interested about um entrepreneurship that i'm sure would love to reach out to you um, yeah. and you're a super nice guy and you know you, you're you know you seem more than happy to kind of impart wisdom but yeah definitely yeah i'm quite um, good at getting back to people you know i'm better at getting back to people who direct message me than i have again i'm bad at emails <laughs> i'm actually really bad at yeah emails. but with, <laughs> with direct one of messages, other, on, yeah yeah on linkedin or instagram I'm quite good at getting back to you. It might take me some time to get back to you, but I I try to get back to everyone. Um, so yeah, feel free yeah, to reach out, everybody. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, we're conscious. You've you're, you're a very busy individual. You've given us some time to kind of go through your journey, kind of go through the book, um, and hopefully it inspires people and they can get a copy of the book. Would definitely recommend it. Um, and like Hassan mentioned, if you're an audio listener, if you're someone that learns through audio or podcasts. <laughs> Um, you got the audio version and obviously you got the Success Decoded podcast which is amazing It's I really enjoyed listening to the Elon Musk um, series um, before we wrap up we usually ask our guests to kind of give a few pieces of advice or wisdom to our listeners so before you, you, you leave us to your busy world 
what advice can you give to our, our, our young audience and listeners? Mm, what advice do you give? I think it's really important. Just something that's been on my mind lately. So obviously self-awareness is so massive. Um, mm. Just to have that self-awareness is very, very important to kind of develop. And it takes time. Be patient with yourself. Try lots of different things on your journey. If you're kind of just starting out and you're thinking about your career, try different things on the side. Try lots of different things. The only way you'll really know whether you enjoy something or are good at something is to try it. So that's number one, is that self-awareness and building it by trying lots of different things. Number two is I would Mm. say also when it comes to getting a job or employment or choosing a different job or starting a business, always have the criteria about where will you learn the most as opposed to where will you be paid Mm -hmm. the most and i I think a good time to think about moving on is when you stop learning as much Mm -hmm. like when it really slows down and you feel like i'm just in a routine now and i'm not learning much i think that's a good time to think about you know moving up in the company moving to another company or starting your own business or selling your business whatever it might be right so it's Mm. I think a transition, when it comes to transitions, I think it's always try and use a criteria about learning. And I think one of the mindset factors as well that I didn't get to mention is lifelong learning. And listening to podcasts like this is an awesome way to do it as well. Yeah, definitely agree. I think it's been a really fruitful conversation. We've definitely learned a lot. Um, it's been good fun to get into to know you. Um, I'm sure our listeners will also enjoy it. But um, a massive thank you once again for taking the time out to come and speak to us. Um, We really do hope we all benefit from it. And a massive thank you to our listeners. Um, But yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you, thank you. It's been fun. We're not even in the student. Yeah, this is over. This is all over. This is over tech. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for doing this, Hassan. (laughs) No problem. It's been a massive, massive pleasure. It's been really fun. Abdul Ams has been great um, being on your podcast. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week with another special guest. Take care, guys.